This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 250, recorded Friday, February 19th. Happy birthday, Mom, 2016. Oh, it's your mom's birthday. Well, happy birthday, Jason's mom. Yes. And holy moly, 250. 250. That's a lot of episodes. Um, I don't, you know, I didn't feel the need to do anything special for 250 because it's just 250, but it does feel like a little bit of a milestone in some ways. A little bit. You know? It, it's a round number. It is. We're halfway between 200 and 300. You could cook a ham at this temperature. <laughs> Really? Is that well, is this going to take ham? a long time? But uh, you could. Okay, so this is not the the ham cooking the optimal ham cooking temperature, is it? No, but you could you could cook a ham and and at this temperature. That's amazing. Well, two hundred and fifty. Congratulations, Jason, on making it to two fifty with me. Thanks, and congratulations to you, Mister Fairhurst. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so it's Friday. We're recording on a Friday this week. As some, well, most people know, got all screwed up for us because I was traveling to Vancouver. I was in Vancouver for a bunch of days, and we uh, had to record our Monday show on Tuesday, and then that made the Wednesday show move to Friday. So here we are. I can't remember another time when we've recorded on a Friday. Actually, we've never recorded on a Friday. Not even once. This is kooky. It's it's downright kooky. So have we now gotten to the point where we have recorded a podcast on every day of the week? We've done Mondays. We've done Tuesdays. We've done Wednesdays. We've done Thursdays. We've done Fridays now. Saturday, we did, uh, didn't we do the live show on a Saturday? We've done live shows on a Saturday, yeah. Did we do anything on a Sunday? We've, we've recorded on a Sunday before. We must have. I'm almost positive, yeah. All right, well, that, uh, that rounds it out. There you go. With number 250, seven days a week. We're done. Well, we're not done. We're not done. We're done recording on every day of the week. That's true. That's one of the things we can check off the list. A um, couple other things to check off the list here as we get started, though, is I want to remind everyone about our current giveaway. We are working with the good folks over at Gold Label, goldlabel.com, and of course their official Walking Dead merchandise store. We are giving away, in conjunction with them, a Walking Dead hoodie and sticker pack. Stickers. Yeah, stickers are great. And uh, hoodies are great, too. I love wearing a good hoodie. So do you? I do. I wear hoodies all the time. So I, if don't, you, I don't wear sweaters. Well, it's because you're too hot all the time, right? I am too hot. I own one sweater, and I only wear it when I'm sick. It's is it, it's not like an ugly Christmas sweater or something? No, it's a, it's a hoodie. Okay. Well, I love a good hoodie, and we are giving one away along with Gold Label. So to enter, you have a bunch of ways to enter, but for information on that... Head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Or if uh, that doesn't work for you, because I don't think that works on some mobile devices, visit our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, and you can click on Hoodie Giveaway in the main navigation there. Super. And it's the same thing. You'll get to the same information. So it's running for two weeks. We're already, you know, a few days in. It goes until February 29th. So hit one of those links and get your entries in. Um, it's cool. You want a Walking Dead hoodie from us and from Gold Label? That's the way to get one, or the mm. way to maybe get one. <laughs> one of the ways. One of the ways, yeah. Uh, you can also, if you just want to say, forget the the giveaway angle to this, we have a coupon code for you to use at goldlabel.com. So head over there and 
if you want 15% off, uh, you can use the coupon code TALKINGDEADDEAL, all one word. And that coupon code is also good through February 29th. So you've got uh, you've got another option there if you want to go and buy whatever you want. Talking Dead deal for fifteen percent off at goldlabel.com. And uh, you know we thank them a great deal for their you know help and and partnership in this uh, in this giveaway. It's fun to work with them on stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Just before we get into our feedback, we finally got the ratings for oh, season six. Episode. Okay. Was I right? Well, you said one hundred and fifty people, right? At least, yeah. You were North right. of 150. <laughs> you were right. All right. It's it's a little higher than that, um, but it is down significantly from last season's last year's mid season premiere. Really? So yeah, the ratings, the number of viewers for episode nine of season six was 13.7 million, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. It's still the number one TV show. Oh yeah. Overall number one spot. But 13.7 million represents a 12% decrease from last year's mid-season premiere. 12% is not insignificant. No. It's one more than 11 and one less than 13. It's pretty significant. Um, And in the 18 to 49 demographic range, that... There were 8.5 million. So that's the one they consider the most valuable. 8.5. That's quite a few people um, and still pretty good. But overall, down 12%. So... You know, I don't think The Walking Dead is in any ratings trouble, but I think this decrease speaks directly to the questionable, I shall say, uh, response to some of the episodes in the first half of season six. Uh, I would agree with you. I think I would agree with you. I think that this episode might help boost ratings for next week. Yeah. So uh, we'll see see it upswing. I, I, I would say that's nearly a guarantee. Um, I have a feeling, I have the ratings here for Talking Dead, AMC's Talking Dead as well. They had a massive night. They had really? the highest ratings they've ever had, which is weird considering the to- the, the main show is down 12%, but Talking Dead is up to 6.44 million. And that's the number two spot on the night. And apparently that beats like any other episode they had from last year. And maybe right. of all time. Now, I was thinking about this a little, and I can think of two things that would contribute to um, the Talking Dead's ratings. And one, just the sheer quality of of the main show, Episode 9. Mm-hmm. Maybe the people that did watch it, it, maybe they liked it so much, they were sort of convinced to stick around and watch Talking Dead after. That's true. Right? As it goes on, some of those 13.7 million were like, who might have normally tuned out, decided to stick around. Um, or, I mean, with the speed of the internet these days, the, uh, you know, the social media buzz on what was going on in this episode, all the, the deaths, Carl getting shot in the eye and, and all the sort of amazingness that was happening. I could almost see people tuning in late or tuning in, you know, partway through because their Facebook feed and their Twitter feed lights up with, oh my God, what's happening on the walking dead. Really? Well, don't you think so? I mean, that happens. That I think that can happen in this day and age where there can be that immediate a response to something like this. Well, there definitely can happen. I just I wonder if now we have to start uh, looking at the ratings of different portions of episodes based on social me- social media uh, response. Because they can track social media responses too, right? Like yeah. if uh, a Twitter hashtag is, is trending, you can 
check the time and when it was trending compared to the ratings of that particular episode at that particular time. Oh yeah. Yeah. They can, they can track all this kind of stuff, but I, I mean, I think it would be kind of nuts if someone tuned in halfway through and then stayed around for talking dead. I mean, I wouldn't tune in halfway through to a TV show cause I'm just not that kind of guy. I like to see it from the beginning and you know, not right. miss anything. Uh, it's just the way I watch TV, but you know, I think there might could be a lot of people who suddenly on their Twitter feed see holy shit walking dead, you know, whatever, whatever, and they're like, Oh, maybe I gotta tune maybe I gotta turn this on. So they turn it on and then they stick around and that also contributes to talking AMC's talking dead's uh big big ratings night. So right. um yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but we'll we'll see what happens next week. I think you're right. I think there's probably gonna be a ratings increase for episode 10 on Sunday. Bit of an upswing. Bit of an upswing, yeah. All right, um, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's do our listener feedback. Do it, do it, do it. Listener feedback. All right, before we get into it, there's one thing that I don't think I sent to you, but uh, I want to talk about it because a lot of people sent this in. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you have the, the show open in front of you. Uh, this the time. show? The, what show the, should the, I have open? The, the Walking Dead show that we talk about here. Okay, no, I don't have it open. Because I, I know it for the recap, right? For the not recap for this. So during the cold open, yeah, um, Daryl uses the rocket launcher to blow everybody up. Correct. In the scene where that happens, where the explosion happens, mm-hmm. in the instant before the explosion, you can see a car pull up in the background. What? Now I got to pull up the show. Oh, I don't have it. <laughs> no all right well if you can't get it you'll have to look at it later i should have i should have mentioned this to you before but a few people sent this in so i wanted i wanted to just bring it up and it is all over the internet basically you see the frame or uh, of the the motorcycle gang they're standing there he's about to shoot sasha and uh, abe and in the in the road extends off into the distance kind of towards the right hand side of the screen Right, And it extends way off into the distance. And then you see a line of trees and the road kind of goes into the trees or, or uh, just, you know, disappears over the horizon sort of. Right. And just before the explosion, you can see the front of a car poke out in the right-hand screen. Uh, in, sorry, from behind some bushes in the top right frame of the frame. And everyone, of course who noticed this is going crazy and thinking, what is it? Who is it? Is it supposed to be there? What is it? And I can think of two, two potential options here. Well, and and you tell me if what you think is more likely. Okay. Number one, somebody just outside the sort of range of the set drove a car into the frame and it was so small and so insignificant that they decided, eh, what are we going to do? We're just going to leave it there. Right. We can't really get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Or number two, it's done on purpose. And it's placed there, and we were supposed to notice it, and it means something, and it's part of the show. It is number two. You think so? I think so. I think that uh, production companies and uh, television and movie filming uh, on location is uh, so... Locked down tight. It's locked down tight. Like I've, uh, you know, walking downtown Toronto, I've been stopped by police uh you know, walking down a street to say, no, just hold on a second, they're filming, 
right? Because they they put they put police, they, you know, off duty police officers will hire themselves out to uh, film right. uh, studios for yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, security, yep. and they'll uh, you know they have the stanchions across the street, and they'll just say, "Hold on, they're uh, they're filming," and then he'll get a message saying that it's all clear, and then you can go, right? So <laughs> I can guarantee you that there are some kind of security stopping vehicles from driving through the shot. Yeah. They're pretty good at that stuff by now. They've been filming movies and, and crap for a hundred years. Uh, you know, they're they're good at it. I would tend to agree with you. Um and okay. even if there was a tiny little car that drove onto the set and then like and later on somebody went, Oh, there's a car on the set, what do we do? It's like, well send that over to Johnny and uh C G and have him erase the car. And Johnny goes, yeah, that'll take what ten, fifteen minutes. Bloop, 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 bloop. This car's gone, <laughs> right? I, I don't want to diminish the uh, quality work and the difficulty of work that the CG artists have. to I'm do. I'm not diminishing their quality. <laughs> I am, uh, I am trying to show at the uh, how high their skill levels are. Got it. Right? They're so skilled and the tools are so sophisticated that it is entirely possible. I, you know, maybe not ten, fifteen minutes, but it is entirely possible to erase a tiny little car from the background of a shot. Right. So what you're saying is they would probably take the time to do that if they decided that, you know, it's something they didn't want in the frame. Right. It's something they want in the frame. All right. So I tend to agree with you, partly because we've seen things like this happen on the show before. Do you remember last season? when um, we started seeing messages about the wolves, wolves not yep. far. Yeah. Well, there were a couple of those that were pretty subtle. And I'm thinking of one in particular where they're just driving down the road and you see it on the side of a barn, but it's not even the side of the barn that's facing the camera directly. It was sort of the opposite side. And it's almost hard to read. You just see it for a split second as they go by. So it was placed there in a very subtle way. Right. And this is similar to that in my mind, where there's a car in the background. It's almost imperceptible, but you can definitely see it. And, you know, if you blow up that corner, you can tell that it's like the front hood of a car coming into the frame. So what does this mean? Who knows? Um, but uh, the speculation is generally that it's another, uh, another person uh, or another member of Negan's crew who yeah. has just witnessed what has happened. Well, that's what I'm thinking, is that, that you always leave witnesses, right? If you want people to, to know about uh, what kind of stuff you're doing and how much of a badass you are, you leave a witness. Right. You leave somebody behind. Go tell your friends how much I uh, I screwed you guys over in this uh, this attempted hijacking. But nobody was there. They killed everybody. Daryl killed everybody. So we have to have <laughs> a witness yeah. to go tell Negan. Otherwise, it's just like, I don't know. They it's All their bikes blew up. Who knows? Right. And it makes... It makes Negan's crew not look quite as useless. Um, if quite. they they yeah not quite they left a scout basically behind, or they left someone back there who could sort of monitor what was going on. So if everything does go south like it did from their perspective, yeah, like you said, they've left someone alive. He can go back and report and say, "Look, we ran into these people. We tried to take their stuff. It didn't go so well, <laughs> and uh, T and the gang are not coming back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, good eye, everybody, for catching that, because I didn't see it, and uh, it is pretty minuscule there in the background, so. Well, I'm going to go back. I don't have the uh, the hard drive that I store my TV on uh, plugged in at the moment, so 
I can't go take a look at it right now, but I will definitely go back and see what there is to see. All right. And it's, it's unmistakable because, you know, there's been other things in the background occasionally, um, where we thought it was something, but then it turned out to be like a, 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 uh, a stick from a tree sort of blowing across the road or something that just fooled the eye. So, but in this case, it's definitely, definitely a car or some sort of vehicle. Yeah. Now, if it was a spaceship, Right, if you saw like some kind of alien craft come through the the screen, be very different. Then it would be very different. Then I would think it would be a production issue, because that's what aliens do, right? They fly through and then they make everybody ignore it until it gets on national television. When all of a sudden they release the uh, the mental hold they have on this particular (laughs) image, and everybody goes, "Holy crap! It's a spaceship!" Oh my god, it's a spaceship! They did that in X Files like four times. There were X Files on screen. I no, mean, spaceships I mean, on screen? On X-Files? Oh, yeah, all, all over the place. Really? I mean, that's what the whole plot of X-Files is. Spoiler alert. It involves spaceships. It involves spaceships, and I think uh, that those spaceships were uh, were real spaceships, that aliens were... Uh, they were using the X-Files to let humanity know that they were coming. All right. Well, uh, people have been asking us to do an episode on the X-Files, so if you ever get caught up, maybe we could talk about that. At least the the new miniseries because I'm it's there's only one more episode and I'm all caught up on that so I I'm not all caught up on the original series that's what I mean like if you ever get through all that and it's, you end up watching this then I'm we not should. entirely convinced that that'll ever happen we've my wife and I have tried like no less than three times to try and get caught up and it's just it's hard to watch but not it's even, hard to rewatch but not even with your just select episode plan even then it's huh. uh, I'm not sure whether. Uh, I don't know what happened to society or my brain since the 90s, but I just uh, – I can't stomach it anymore. I just can't, I can't do it. All right. It's just so boring. Well, maybe I'll <laughs> – it's but so the boring. Re- maybe I'll is. have to find another co-host to do an X-Files podcast on for well, a Well, maybe, one-off. but the reason I, f- I find it boring is because it was so pivotal. Remember we had this discussion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I get it's it. because it was so good that now I find it so boring because everybody else, you know, did – is doing what the X-Files did and yes. pioneered. All right. So I blame the X-Files for it being so awesome and now so boring. Blame it for its own demise. That's right. All right. Well, let's get into our actual feedback here. Right. Uh, me first, I take it? You first, you take it. Me first. Uh, Alex from Seattle writes, It may have just been the best episode of The Walking Dead yet. It tied up some loose ends, like the lone wolf. It got rid of deadweight characters, Sam and Ron. Unfortunately, their mom, too. It showed Rick as the beast that he is and the courage of the Alexandrians who finally grew some cojones and stood up for themselves. I'm both exhausted and delighted that the show is back on the right footing again. All right. That's a pretty good, uh, you know, couple sentence summary of it right there. I feel the same way. I'm really glad that this episode was so good and I just hope they can keep it up. I hope so too. All right. Next, we have a call from Max in Connecticut. Here we go. Hey, guys. Max, the teacher from Connecticut, calling my feedback for No Way Out. Overall, I think it's uh, interesting how when the show follows the comics, the show is just off the chain awesome. But when they go off track and do storylines with Morgan and the cross-dresser from the Drew Carey show, it's just super lame. Um, Overall, um, I got three comments on the three big points of the episode. Number one, to start off, I'm pretty surprised that Egan's group of saviors just all clumped together, like you guys were saying. You know, usually when they set up an ambush, you do just that. You have guys in the woods, you know, this way a rocket launcher or anything can't take out their entire team. 
But likewise, isn't our group supposed to be the smart ones too? Why would they get out of the car and give away their weapons? You know, they're assuming they're just going to get out of that. Why don't they just plow through with their huge truck? I don't know. That scene was kind of bonkers from all angles. Could have been made a little bit more realistic. Um, as for Rick hacking off the arms, it was pretty great to see that. You know, we were all were waiting for it. Um, that little annoying kid probably should have went under his mom's coat and got the Judith treatment. You know, especially after he was whining the second he left the building. And lastly, I'm surprised they killed the W Whisper so quickly. You know, it, it kind of makes that whole story kind of pointless. You know, I guess Morgan somehow is going to have to find out about the fact that he was changing, so it validates his philosophy. Otherwise, I just come to the point. All right, guys. Um, thanks to hear what you're saying. Keep doing what you're doing. Love your show. It's the best one out there. All right. See you later. All right. Thank you, Max. So, I mean, just going back to his point about about uh, the motorcycle gang scene, it looks like they did probably leave someone out in the woods keeping an eye on things. Yeah, but they could have spread out. I mean, they could have spread a out. bunch of morons. And yeah, why didn't uh, why didn't they just plow through the motorcycles? I guess they wanted to see, you know, hey, this is a curiosity, a motorcycle gang. We haven't seen one of those. <laughs> That's in a new. While. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Like, except I also think it's totally believable that they would stop too. And and once you've stopped, um, you know, I don't think it's fair to say why didn't they just stay in the vehicle because you got a bunch of guys with guns. You can't not do what they say. You can't stay in a vehicle. They're going to approach the vehicle. They're going to pull you out of it. Right. Right. If if they really want to. So once they'd stopped the truck, I mean, they, they, they had run out of options. They sort of said, okay, we're going to stop. We're going to talk to these people. So we, we have to get out to talk to them. If they had decided to just floor it, not stop and try to plow through them, um, I'm not sure that would have been necessarily a better option. Because you know what would have happened? The guys would have started firing. What happens when you have a uh, a motorcycle gang chasing a truck full of gas? You have Mad Max is what you have. <laughs> so we, we would have got the Walking Dead Mad Max mashup we, you have always would. hoped for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We would have had, We definitely would have had a Mad Max situation going on. Well, and With a <laughs> rocket launcher, no less. I would have watched that episode. Yeah. Uh, Twice. (laughs) I'm sure you would have. But see, like, I, you know, plowing through them, if you got super lucky, you take them all out and you can get away. But I don't even think that's all that likely. I think you plow through them, at least one or two of them survive with working motorcycles and can chase you. And now they're chasing you, shooting at your gas truck. And that's assuming you don't plow into them and crash on your own because you plow through four guys and four motorcycles or or five or six or however many there were. Yeah. I mean, there's a good chance you're going to swerve off the road and crash anyway. So I think the other options for this scenario are not quite as obvious or quite as, quite as uh, good as, as people might think. Right. And I just assumed that the motorcycle motorcycle gang had deployed some kind of uh, internal combustion interdiction field that just stopped the vehicle. (laughs) Just won't, won't run anymore. Some sort of interdiction field? I've never yeah. heard that before. It's from Star Wars. Really? Well, the books. Well, I've read some Star Wars books. Anyways, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Internal combustion interdiction field. Got it. Look okay. it up. I just made it up. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Here's another call from Debbie in California. 
Hi guys, Debbie from Campbell, California. Just wondering what other listeners and both of you think about this. Father Gabriel had a quasi-church set up in a garage. And then all of a sudden in the last most recent episode, Glenn and Enid find a church, a fully functional and looks like it had never been used church. Just wondering what uh, what your thoughts are on this and why they weren't using this church in the first place. From my understanding, uh, thank you, Debbie. From my understanding, that fully functional church that Glenn and Enid were in were actually outside, was actually outside the, the main wall. It was outside the wall, yeah. Yeah. So it was there. Maybe they um, were planning on using it, but since it was outside the wall, they didn't really venture out there that much, um, unless it was Aaron or one of the people going on runs for supplies. But um, that's pretty much it. It was out there, and they just hadn't expanded to that point yet. Well, that's because I I, I assume that it's because uh, Father Gabriel is evil, and Enid and Glenn are good. And so Enid and Glenn found the church, whereas Father Gabriel has to work out of a garage. (laughs) I didn't know evil. Being evil made you have to work out of a garage, but sure. No, just Father Gabriel. Sure. Like I'm pointing it squarely at him. It's just, it's, it doesn't have to do with uh, anything other than uh, that guy. You don't think he redeemed himself in this episode a little bit? Oh, in this episode, yes. But this was, that was after they found the church. True. And he's been so evil now for a he long can time. Find the, now he can use the church. All right. They still have to build a wall around it if they want to bring it inside the town, though. Yeah, it's, it's giving it a great big city hug is what it's doing. It's building a wall around it and bringing it into the <laughs> fold of the town. Good. I like it. All right. Well, that's pretty much the explanation. That's all. Like, it's always been there, but Alexandria people just haven't used it because it's not really safe to go out there. Right. So there you go. All right. Next, we have an email from Rebecca in Lancashire. What can I say? What a testament to the writing team. I know a lot of people complain about the filler episodes, but then we get episodes like this, a mid-season premiere that blows our minds. Once upon a time, we could could only have dreamed of an episode of that episode for a season finale, and now we're getting that quality of work slap in the middle of a season. It makes all those filler episodes worth it, don't you think? Slap in the middle slap of a season. Slap in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think it's amazing, and um, I still don't think filler episodes are are the best, but I guess sometimes you need a little bit of filler. You do, and I had a, I think I may have mentioned this before, my first drum teacher, uh, Jim McComb, he always used to say, if you accent everything, you accent nothing. Smart man, smart man. Smart man, man. probably dead. Smart man. (laughs) I don't know what that has to do with anything, but (laughs) sorry to hear he's probably dead. He was like 80 years old back in 1987 when I first started taking drum lessons, so the chances of him still being alive are mighty slim. Are low. All right, well, he knew what he was talking about. Uh, Racist son of a bitch. (laughs) But, you know, he had a good quote. Um, Listen, uh, thank you, Rebecca, for that. Our next uh, correspondence, here is a call. And uh, the name submitted by this caller is the walking ant. I I don't know what that means, but... An ant is a tree. Well... From Lord of the Rings? The ants? Oh, I didn't know that. See? It's a good thing you're here. those big walking trees that uh, that had that ant moot where they all went into the middle of the woods and started hmm, talking and right, stuff. And okay. it took all day just to say hello. I didn't know those were called ants. That's my problem. So oh. there you go. This is from The Walking Ant. And I Read liked it. Book. I liked his call. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, is he dead? No, Carl's alive. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god. Thank you, Walking End. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I like how he sang that, sort of. That's very good. <laughs> that was really good. All right, next. All right, next we have Catherine in Cozumel, Mexico. When they revealed that Carl had been shot in the face, I thought, well, he's dead. But as they moved through the next few scenes, an un- uneasy feeling came over me, and I worried that he was going to make a miraculous recovery. Do you think that, uh, do, you, do you know what's behind your eye? Your brain. And having a bill- bullet shot through your head normally results in death. In that same vein, I never once for a second thought Glenn was in actual mortal danger. This show has cried wolf far too many times, and these latest, this latest episode left me rolling my eyes. It is sad to see what The Walking Dead has become when you look at how great it once was. So not everybody was super keen on this episode, as Catherine has you know, indicated here. Yeah. Um, regarding Carl, we mentioned it in our recap episode on, uh, earlier in the week. Whenever the hell that was, Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime a year know. ago, Tuesday. I mean, it's all confusing this week. Anyways, yeah. um, that the director, Greg Nicotero, explained that the bullet did not actually enter Carl's skull and hit him in the brain. It hit him on the outside of his eye socket bone or orbital bone, ricocheted away, but shattered that bone and destroyed his eye. Right. So... Carl's in rough shape. I'm not going to say he's not in rough shape. And lots of people would have that injury and not survive from it. But it's not like he got shot in the brain and, you know, he's going to be in a coma for months or ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's lots of uh, lots of cases where people do get stuff fired through their brains, mm-hmm. like rods and bullets and things. And, and it's they live. rare, but it's they, they can live. They can, but they, they also typically live with you know, expert and immediate medical attention too. Now I know Carl is getting some immediate medical attention, but it's not like he is in a state of the art hospital. He's in a living room converted into a doctor's office with a doctor who's not, you know, exactly super experienced. Right. So I, I think what you need to do is adjust your concept of state of the art in this situation, because I think a living room converted into a doctor's office in this world is state of the art. It, okay, true, if you put it that way. <laughs> but, but they're it, not, it's not in John Don's Hopkins surgical theater with, uh, <laughs> no. you know, 17 doctors and with anesthetic and scalpels and various masks and things. Yeah, they don't have a lot of that stuff that they might need. So, yes, if if Carl ended up with a bullet in his brain or, or like half of his head missing, I'd be like, come on, there's no way he can survive that. There's no way. It would just be too unlikely. But the fact that he just basically broke a bone in his face and lost his eyeball, yeah. um, that seems a lot more survivable to me. And I think I'm okay with it. I can go with it. So, I think uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time deciding whether or not I should say my thought because of the show's relationship to the comic book. Okay. I mean, well, we all know that this happens in the comic book. Um, but we don't know what happens in the comic book. Post, Yet. yeah, right. exactly. after this. So that's why I'm uh, a little hesitant. Yeah, that's uh, fine. We can we can talk about it, you know, as the show rolls out for the rest of this season. I mean, we don't really know right now what's going to happen to Carl. He might not survive this. As it yeah. stands right now, he's alive. He closed his hands. We know that. Um, but you never know. You never know what might happen. Yeah. Okay, good. 
Okay, uh, next up is Michael in London. Michael says, the first few minutes were a bit boring, to be honest. And once again, a few cop-outs where characters escape situations that otherwise they would be massacred. The The middle section was brilliant. The death scenes of Jesse, Ron, and Sam and Carl helplessly asking for Rick were horrendous in a good way. And I really thought that we were onto something. The heartstrings were really being tugged, and I was really, really enjoying this, or everything, until the last five to ten minutes comes in. All the main characters, again, are in situations where they should really not make it. Glenn again, and it's looking incredibly bleak. Then bang, a lake of fire suddenly stops all the zombies from attacking, and they all walk into the lake, leaving our friends to be safe and happy again. Not a scratch on them. With the amount of walkers, you would think they would have nibbled on an Alexandrian. Well, they probably did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it it wasn't obvious from this episode if any living characters were killed. I mean, I know the wolf was. Yeah. Um, and other than, of course, Jesse, Ron, and, and Sam, and them. Yeah. But, like, the people who, after Rick ran out to fight the zombies, and then everybody followed him, and we had 10 or 15 Alexandria people out there fighting the zombies. Did any of them get killed? Did any of them get bit? It doesn't seem like it. I don't think so because they had rage on their side. And rage goes a long way. Yes. So they were, they were all berserking. So once you go out into berserking, you get extra strength, you get extra hit points. You're, uh, you're able to do things that you normally wouldn't be able to do. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, people have been known to lift cars off of other people, right? In moments of, in, feats of strength or something like that you believe that well not really but uh <laughs> i mean i've it's an urban legend isn't it <laughs> yeah it's probably like there's probably evidentiary proof that uh, somebody actually did this but i uh, have I physically witnessed groups of people lift a car now that's not so hard to believe <laughs> yeah right um i did witness an accident once uh which was terrifying but a woman was under a car and a bunch of people ran over and lifted it off of her. Nice. I'm not sure that's the best thing to do in that situation, but uh, I don't know. I mean, being stuck under a car is not very good either. And then one time I was uh, sitting in a patio out on a sidewalk and uh, some some person came driving their car down a section of this road that was under construction and they weren't supposed to be driving there. Yeah. And they were putting in new streetcar tracks. But they hadn't put the tracks in yet. They just had the holes for the tracks or the oh, grooves. And so this woman drove in and her tire went right down in this groove, which was exactly tire width. And then she couldn't turn the wheel out of it. So she a bunch a streetcar at that point. Because she's a streetcar at that point. Yeah. yeah. So a bunch of guys ran over and lifted the car out and got her out of the thing. It was pretty amazing. That is amazing. So anyways... Um, how does this relate back to Michael's email? Uh, it's they were, they were all berserking, so they couldn't be killed. Sure. But at the same time, it's a bit unlikely that nobody was killed off. So do we have to just assume that some unnamed redshirt Alexandrians were lost in this fight? I'm not uh, even sure we can. I'm not sure we can either. Yeah. I think that the uh, the way they went about things with Daryl uh, starting a fire with a rocket launcher... Uh, seem to have distracted enough of the zombies so that the rest of our berserking Alexandrians can uh, sneak up behind them and uh, bash them in the back of the head instead of having to deal with their choppers. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I The way I think about this is sort of like, you know what? It was a great scene. I loved sort of watching them take a stand against this zombie herd. I thought the 
battle was portrayed pretty well. And I think I can just kind of move past the fact that nobody was actually killed because it's not true that nobody was killed. I mean, three people were killed, three people in the same family. So, yeah, you know, and, and the that's a family a, wiped out. That's a scenario where, where, um, they're those, the, as they're walking through the zombies with the gormiflage, they are in really just as much danger and if you know had if nobody had been killed there either, maybe I'd feel a little bit different. But they just grouped the deaths all up together. It felt like right. So they do that in shows with sex. You ever notice that some shows uh, everybody will all have sex at the same time? <laughs> no, I've never noticed I, that. One, it, it happens in uh, all kinds of episodes of various television shows. Just you watch it every once in a while. All the uh, everybody will just end up having sex at the same time. It's very weird. Doesn't that happen in real life? Everyone just has sex all at the same time. Yeah, around seven thirty on a Saturday, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's about right, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we have uh, an email from Matt in Ireland. Uh, I just wanted to share my thoughts on this episode. It was one of my favorites in the whole series, and it was packed full of action and emotion. However, at times it just seemed a bit convenient with Daryl and the RPG at the beginning. Uh, and then the Glenn scene with Abraham and Sasha saving him. I hate to be saying this, but Glenn should have been killed there. I would have added so it would have added so much more emotion to the episode and would have affected the viewers so much more. This is what I was saying on our last episode too. I don't want Glenn to die, but I feel like that would have been a a worthy death for him. He was saving his wife and it really seemed like there was no hope for him at that moment. It was not, I don't think it was enough of a hero moment for him to die. Saving, saving your wife. That's a hero moment. No, I don't. It is a, it's, it's a heroic act that he's performing, but I don't think it's enough of a hero moment huh. for them to kill off Glenn. It, just because it's Glenn though? Like what just if? Just because it's Glenn. Okay. So if that had been, um, Aaron, would that have been enough of a hero moment for yes. Aaron? Yes. Because it's Aaron and not Aaron Glenn. would have died, yeah. This Glenn's got to have, uh, because they didn't kill him, because he hid underneath this stupid dumpster, uh, because he's been in scrapes before and he's been in dire situations where he's been surrounded by zombies before, uh, this was not enough of a hero moment. He's got to have a huge hero moment. But isn't that a bad thing? Like, in, with a show like this, not everybody is going to die a hero. Somebody's going to trip over a rock, bump their head, and get an infection and die. Like, I know that sounds like boring TV, but, I mean, is do we really want all of our main characters to, to, be, to be killed off in grandiose ways? I mean, no. maybe we kind of do, but, <laughs> but I don't know if that's the best thing for the show. Well, I would agree with you, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen. But I think it, that we, Glenn needs more of a hero moment than than this. Yeah, it's just it's this one character, this beloved character, uh, in this moment, it wasn't big enough. I know, but see, you you'd have to make that argument then for Glenn, for Michonne, for Rick, for Carl, for Daryl, for everybody. All correct, right? And that's that's what I'm saying. That's but what not I... for. Uh, you know, there's other characters that don't need this big of a hero moment. I, I don't think uh, Morgan needs this big of a hero moment at this point. Mm. Carol doesn't need his, Carol can be killed off at the drop of a hat. I don't know. Be, we come onto the episode and say, geez, that evil bitch is dead finally. <laughs> yeah, there are some people that feel that way, actually, <laughs> uh, including our next email here. Let's get to it. Migdalia 
I hope I'm getting that right. From you're gonna have to help me with this, Jason. The Hogwarts Owlery, Owlery, or, or Owlery, Owlery, Owl, Owlery, Owlery. I don't well, know. You never read Harry Potter? No, I've Did never. Did you ever watch the movies? I've seen maybe one or two of them, and I didn't really pay attention. Are you familiar with the term Hogwarts? That's the school, right? Yes. Okay. But not the owlery, I guess. I don't know what an owlery is. Is that it's where, where they, all the they, owls go? I was going to say, is that where they keep their owls? That's what well, I would no, assume. Well, no, it's where the owls go because the owls <laughs> are not necessarily kept. They're used for, uh, uh, they're like homing pigeons. They send information here and there. Right. Okay. Right. So they're, but they're their own beings, and that's just ends up where they go when it's they go to Hogwarts. They go to the owlery. All right. Well, no, I have not read those books. But read a Harry Potter. Bo- read a book, will you? Just one. I've I've read many, many books. Just not. <laughs> Are you these sure? Ones. I'm positive. <laughs> I bet you there's even some books I've read that you haven't, Mister no. Book Reader. <laughs> That's crazy. Um. Uh. Anyways, so Magdalia writes. So because Carol, speaking of Carol, was a dick to Sam, he managed to get his whole family killed. Sounds about right. But Jesse will be blamed for bringing him along. I bet. I realize I'm in the minority, but it's time for Carol to become a Walker meal. <laughs> However, since that may not happen, maybe Morgan can help her become a real person again, and they'll balance each other out. Yeah, she's not going to become a real person again. She's sliding down the slope. She's just mean to kids. She really is. Let's Let's speculate on what they're doing with Carol here for a second. They've made Carol, who was one of the fan favorite characters for a long time. She's still one of my favorite. She's evil, but she's still one of my favorites. They've been making her less and less likable for like two seasons now. And yes, she's interesting, and she does not hesitate to do things that other characters wouldn't even be able to bring themselves to do, usually involve killing people for the greater good or murdering children, stuff like that. But um, but are they, are they making... Carol really unlikable on purpose for either one of two reasons. One, to drag her down so that they can prop her up again and then kill her off. <laughs> right. Um, and that's the only reason. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Uh, they could. They could be doing just that. But, but again, why? Why do they need to make us hate someone just for us to love them again all of a sudden? It's becoming formulaic. It is a little bit. Maybe they're uh, they're just making us hate her because uh, you need somebody to hate. But don't we have? We enough? don't have any. We don't have anybody to hate right now. We have this uh, Negan fella that is still kind of nebulous that we, we don't, don't know, know anything him. about. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have anybody to hate. So we need. Uh, you know, the wolves came and we sort of hated them. Boo! They were evil and stuff. But Carol is uh, that. You know that person that we've uh, we've known for a very long time that has slid down this slope and has become some become somebody that uh, none of us would ever want to be right that's so, a good point like she's on the good team but nobody likes her yeah and nobody wants to be with her nobody identif- be like her identifies with her right yeah and the only people that do like her don't know her right they don't know that she regularly fucks with kids and <laughs> gets them killed <laughs> yeah. or directly kills them. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Um I at this point I would not be upset if Carol's character was remo- removed from the show, but honestly I'd want them to do it without the 
with without the um the buildup of her again. I don't want to be manipulated into loving her all of a sudden and then have her head chopped off. If right. she's going to so she's got to slide down the slope and eventually get killed at the bottom at and the, be like, "Wow, did, did you see that what happened with friggin' Carol over the last two seasons?" That's what I mean. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Like she started high, right? And she slid down and down and down and never recovered. And I don't know, that sounds kind of dickish and morbid on my part, but like I said, characters don't always die at the height of their game and they don't always die in heroic ways and the walking dead i think sometimes tries to do that a little bit too much with the heroic deaths um and i just i just rather them not do that with carol but hey maybe carol will survive for five more years and she'll be totally different by then again so who knows maybe she'll get banished again and just leave Maybe she will. Well, you've killed know. too many kids. Get out. Okay. See you later. She's gone. She'll come back six seasons later with a W carved in her head. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's rare on this show that they write somebody out of the show without killing them. That's true. It Have happened in that? season, yeah, in season one with, um, the, what's his friend, face, who that left? Family. That yeah. family. That yeah. uh, family. But is it, has it happened another another time? <laughs> I don't, can't think of one. I can't think of one either. Yeah. So... Maybe they'll have to try that. They don't really leave a lot of people in their wake, do they? Just leave a lot of dead people. A lot of destruction. Wow. (laughs) That's for sure. I never thought about that before. Yeah. Has anybody interacted with this group of characters that has lived other than in the first season? Um, And is not still, well, and is not still with the characters. That's right. Has anybody left alive? Um, Ever. uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question. Like when you think about Woodbury, the hospital where uh, yes, Beth died. That's right. They left people at the hospital. Okay, so all right then, we're good. <laughs> all right, all right. Next, we have an email from Kelly on the internet. Sam was still a growing kid with his skull plates that were not yet completely hardened. That zombie was going for that succulent soft spot. Right, and this is in uh, response to us talking about why would the zombie bite someone in the forehead because there's nothing to bite on your forehead. Right. Um. But uh, if Kelly is talking about a baby's fontanelle, yeah, which is the soft spot on a baby's skull when they're born, uh, what's Sam like eight, seven years old? There's no way he has one of those still. So I guess it closes up at like what eighteen months? Yeah, eighteen months, maybe you know around there, two years maybe. Um, So what's that like a baby's off button? It's not an off button. You don't (laughs) want to touch it. (laughs) Well, if you push it hard enough, that baby just turns off. Right? That's not funny. No. <laughs> uh and it's kind of gross i'll be honest with you like don't poke the fontanelle it's, it's yeah, weird that's that would be bad uh anyways uh i don't know i mean maybe i mean a seven or eight year old kelly's right still has a skull that's growing and hasn't fully solidified maybe but well uh, are your bones never fully solidified it's, it's still considered a joint yeah right? okay it, it's not fused bone it's uh there's cartilage in there that makes it very rigid in your skull you mean in your skull yeah yeah there's eight distinct bones and they're still distinct bones your entire life it's just that they're not uh completely grown together yet yeah uh at the age of 18 months but at seven or eight yeah your kid's hard as a rock your skull is hard as a rock you could bounce that thing off the pavement a couple times it'd be fine and it needs to be because kids do that kind of stuff by accident all the time i've done it more than a couple of times (laughs) that's right but i've rarely (laughs) seen anybody ever go to chew on anything's head (laughs) it just doesn't as an option Mm, that pig looks good i like bacon i'm gonna go chew on that pig's head (laughs) 
It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the ass is much more succulent. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there. Next up is Jason in St. Cloud, Minnesota. My holy crap moment was when we actually saw Sam get eaten by walkers. I saw this coming, but what I didn't expect was to see a child die on camera. Sure, we had the little girl Rick shot in episode one and Sophia, but they were walkers. We also had the execution of Lizzie, but that happened off camera. It makes me wonder if the time comes for Judith, uh, if when the time comes for Judith to die, will it be on camera? That will be more difficult to watch than awful Sam being eaten. That's true. It will be. But you know what? I'm starting to think that Judith will never be killed off. I'm starting to think that she has the, the not even the you, plot device shield, because she has no bearing, really, on the plot of this show. Other yeah, than she's they, not definitely not a plot device. No, and she doesn't, other than they just have to carry her around everywhere they go and and then stick her somewhere and not, a, not have her appear for four episodes. But right. I just, I'm starting to get the feeling that she's just not going to, she's going to survive till the end of this whole thing. Maybe she's got the prop device shield. <laughs> the prop. She's a prop. Yeah. She's a prop, but a protected prop. <laughs> we got to carry this prop everywhere we go. We can't lose it. We can't drop it. Can't just yep. put it down and leave it somewhere. Yeah. Because it's might, a baby. It's a baby. Can't right. do that. So I, yeah. you might be right about that. Be. All right, next we have a call from Angie in Birmingham. Sorry about the quality on this one, everybody, but hopefully you can hear it okay. Hi, guys, it's Angie in Birmingham. Um, I'm just sending a quick message because it's something I totally forgot to mention um, when I spoke to you before. Uh, it's just with reference to that really, really cool editing of Rick hacking off Jesse's arm uh, when it goes from the happy bits to it flashing red as he cuts her. Um, it's not the first reference to red and anger we've had on this show. Um, when I was watching it, one thing came back to me straight away, um, and all I could hear was that going around in my head. And it was Morgan way back in, uh, I think it was episode 13 of series 3, clear, when he's talking about his wife killing his son. Uh, that line, uh, I see red, I see red, everything I see is red, and I do it. And... Uh, that just really, really came back to me as I was watching that scene. And I thought that was kind of Rick's mentality at the time. I mean, it starts off with him thinking of the happy times and he's distraught about Jesse. And then all of a sudden, um, his desperation kind of turns to anger as he realises that his feelings for Jesse are about to get his son killed. And that's when he sees red and he does it. Anyway, that's just my two cents. Uh, I hope you agree with me. If you don't, well, you don't. Anyway, just wanted to get that point across and hope you're in time for the podcast because it's pretty late here right now. Um, so I guess you're already done. But anyway, speak to you soon. Bye. Well, Angie, good luck. You got it in in time. And I think it's a really fantastic parallel she's pointed out here. Absolutely. And it, it didn't occur to me at all, but Morgan said he saw red. And, uh, you know, he meant blood, I think, but he also meant rage. And uh, Rick had the same experience here when Jesse went down. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's very cool. Thank you, Angie. Yeah, uh, I would, uh, you know, Angie, I love your accent. And I would like for you to read all of my emails to me uh, as I work throughout the day. <laughs> I think that would make it uh, a lot more pleasant to read my emails. Angie's a longtime listener. She's been calling in for a long time. Um, and she always calls in with very long 
voicemails, which are fantastic, but it's sometimes hard to get her on the show just because they're so long <laughs> and I am super lazy and I don't want to edit something and change her point around or whatever. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I appreciate everything Angie sends in. And of course, everyone, every, everything that everybody sends in, but uh, yeah. it can be difficult to get the, uh, the longer ones on there. Anyhow, thanks again, Angie. Um, next up is Jaeger in Atlanta, Georgia. Jaeger, damn it. He, he told me once how to pronounce it, but I forgot now. It's got an umlaut over the A, and I never know how to pronounce an umlaut. Well, you can pronounce umlaut pretty good. I know what an umlaut is, but I don't know what it means. Well, he writes, uh, you're going to have to comment on this one for me, Jason. He writes, right. looking at the opening scene from a D&D perspective, right. I thought of two things. Number one, if the saviors were another group of players, Daryl pulled off a total party kill. Usually that's only reserved for DMs. Good on you, mate. And number two, speaking of TPKs, total party kills, mm-hmm. he's also a kill steal and an XP hog. The XPs for taking out the saviors should have gone to the whole group, but Daryl stole it all for himself. I guess Abraham and Sasha fumbled their initiative roles. Yeah, well, they were surprised. <laughs> <laughs> They were they were surprised, so they uh, they fumbled their role because they were surprised and they weren't. Well, prepared. no, you don't fumble your role; you just don't make your surprise check, right? It's uh, <laughs> you know when something happens that's unexpected, you uh, you know you roll for surprise, and then if you if you are surprised, then you don't get uh, uh, you don't get uh, an action in the first round of uh, of initiative. <laughs> Got it. Okay, right. But <laughs> Makes the TPKs, sense. yes, uh, you know if the DM's mad at you or the GM is mad at you. Uh, they'll, they'll kill every one of you and just like, okay, you're going to start over, make new characters, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And as far as an XP hog goes, the, uh, the rule is, or was, I'm not sure how the rules have changed over the years, but when I was playing, the rule was if you caused, uh, hit point damage to an enemy character, you took part in the experience gained by killing that character. Mm-hmm. So what Daryl did was by killing everybody without Sasha and Abraham having a chance to do any damage whatsoever, they don't get to get to participate in the, uh, in the XP. Okay. So that's, uh, yeah. Uh, so everything he says is correct. Oh yeah, it's absolutely correct. It's a, it's definitely from a D and D perspective. Cool. All right. Well, um, that's, that's good to know. Uh, someday we should get a game going. We sure should. All uh-huh. right, next we have uh, an email from James in Pittsburgh, PA. After watching last night's episode and reading a few comments online, I feel like I am in the massive minority of not loving this episode. Number one, I had high hopes for the opening scene and the chaos from which uh, chaos which would come from Negan's gang meeting the Alexandrians. Instead, we were treated to a Looney Tunes-style resolution with B-movie effects. The only thing that could... That could have put a cherry on top of the scene would have been a roadrunner, uh, meep beep, and a wily e. coyote holding a burnt sign from his charred corpse. Meep meep, meep meep. <laughs> Number two, Glenn. I was willing to let uh, reality take a back seat when Glenn was somehow survived the dumpster fall, but come on, he had five walkers on top of him that were mir- miraculously shot. I'm having a problem with that word today. Miracul- miraculously shot in the head from 50 yards in the dark at full auto. I want him to die on principle alone now. Overall, there were some moments I enjoyed in the episode, mainly the slower dramatic builds. The rest of the episode seems like it was written simply to cut into a 
trailer material. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping we come back from this toontown and head into actual storytelling. Well, see, another person who didn't didn't love this, and uh, I think he's got a point about Glenn being saved there. Uh, you know, if Glenn wasn't going to die because that wasn't a big enough hero moment for him, did yeah. he have to be saved by a guy shooting all these zombies perfectly from way far away in the dark, you know, and saving At him? full auto. At full auto, yeah. Yeah. Seems well, a little unlikely. Yes, without Glenn taking a bullet as well. Well, right? yeah, because if he's you know if he's firing burst fire and the, you know you can't really aim all of them all the time, you just kind of spray and pray. Uh, you know, Glenn's in the line of fire on that one. So if he didn't get hit by or eaten by walkers, he might have gotten hit by you know friendly fire, stray bullet. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, James. Next up is George in Byron Bay, Australia. I had something to say about last night's episode: Glenn's luckiness. After five seasons of caring so much about Glenn and frankly seeing him as the most genuine, relatable character on the show, I can no longer think that because of season six. From them causing me to prematurely mourn his death, uh, which by the way was complete bull, to now being saved in the nick of time by Abraham and Sasha on the wall, that was so stupid. How did a rogue bullet not hit Glenn? See? By the time they had come up, Onto the wall, Glenn was already cowering, ready for death. So I just don't see how they didn't kill him and how in the hell Glenn is so lucky. His character will forever put an unrealistic taint on the show for me. Well, that is until he properly is dead. Don't Pe worry, that'll happen soon. People are hating on Glenn, man. And it's not even Glenn's fault. <laughs> no, it's not Glenn's fault. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's die already. Kind of, yeah, just, that's it. Just die. Uh, they're, yeah, I, I think he will die at some point, but we're going to have to wait for it. It's going to be one of those, wait for it, and then he'll die. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I do think it's going to happen. So all of this will be resolved eventually. Uh, yeah, all will become revealed in the fullness of time. That's exactly what they say. All right. Next, we have an email from Darcy in Warren Ponds, Geelong, Australia. Yeah, the Australia's got all the best place names, I'll tell you. They do. All right. <laughs> Firstly, please try and read this in an Australian accent. It would be amazing. All right, Jason, do it. Sorry, Darcy. I am not good at accents. I am not even capable of, and I'm not even sure I'm capable of doing an accent. I can't do it. Uh... <laughs> He did say try. I'm gonna. I'm thinking of even. Well, I just finished. What? No, I can't do it. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> well, I got well, nothing. I, well, I just. No, I can't do it either. I can do it in my head, but I can't do it into the microphone. No, I can't. I can't do it in my head either. I, I just. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. All it's right. going to come out like Popeye if I keep trying. All That's right, actually well, my Irish accent. Read it in your Canadian accent. All right. I just finished watching the mid-season premiere, and holy shit, my mind is blown. Not only is my favorite mid-season premiere, not only is it my favorite mid-season premiere ever, it is now my top three episodes of The Walking Dead ever. Number one being the pilot, number two being clear. Anyway, my holy crap is how the blue fuck did the motorcycle to the left of the screen say, stay standing... 
uh, standing up after the rocket launcher incinerated the group when all of the other motorcycles fell down like a sack of shit. Maybe it's willpower or was hella strong. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. One of those motorcycles stayed on upright. I don't know how because everything else got blown to bits, but. That's true. Now explain to me sack of shit. Like. Well, you take a is bag. That, is you, that a, a basis in reality? Like at what point in your life have you ever had a sack of shit? You ever walked a dog? Uh, No, but that not that just like a little baggie of it's poop? A, it's a small bag of dog poo, yeah. But it's not like like a sack. Not We're a talking sack. like a, a, a like a ten pound bag of shit. I've woken you, up in the morning and felt like a ten pound bag of shit, but that doesn't happen so much anymore. Sometimes I feel like uh, ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag. Yes, I've <laughs> I've heard heard of that before. Um, I don't know. Well, they, just people use that phrase "sack of shit" all the time, and I just you know where does that come from? I don't know. It's just it's just, it's just one of those things that you you wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want to have around, you know. And it, they tend to fall down apparently. Well, and the motorcycles fell down like a sack of shit, so I think they just sort of plopped to the ground and oozed all over the place. Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, how how in the blue fuck did that motorcycle <laughs> stay uh, stay standing? Um, I don't know. It uh, had a really good kickstand, I guess. Oh, yeah. Super kickstand. <laughs> it must have to survive that kind of explosion. It had an explosion explosion interdiction field around it. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, sorry we couldn't read that in Australian accent. Yeah. Can you? What about that line from um, Crocodile Dundee, the most probably stereotypical Australian movie. That's not a there noise. Is. See, there you go. <laughs> I even looked up uh, Australian text-to-speech sites, and I found a YouTube video on how to speak in an Australian accent, and none of it helped me. <laughs> this doesn't help me at all. <laughs> this guy's. Just, I'm really, really bad at accents. This guy's not reading Darcy's email, <laughs> except for, except for maybe a uh, uh, a Fargo accent. Okay there, hon. Okay. That's about the Okay then. <laughs> yeah. That's the probably the only accent I can do uh based on words I've heard directly on the TV show Fargo. You can only you can Fargo. only say words that they have said before. That's correct. Yeah. Got it. All right. Next up is Andy in the UK, and I'm not going to do a British accent. Cool. One thing you didn't touch upon was when Rick ran out to face the zombies with just his hatchet after Carl got shot. I don't believe he was just letting off steam. I felt like he also figured that the zombies would be would have been attracted to or followed him and Michonne after they hacked their way through to the infirmary and therefore would have been crowding around that room in no time forcing their way in. So I think Rick was also buying the doc time to work on Carl without them having to also defend the room from walkers. Hey, if Rick was thinking at all straight at that moment, that would have been a really solid plan. Or solid that idea. Been, yeah, that's a really good idea for Rick to uh, to have done. I'm not sure that he was thinking that, but, you know, good work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I kind of agree. I don't think he was probably in the most straight frame of mind, but um, either way, like, uh, he, you know, Andy's right. Those zombies probably would have been attracted and just, you know, pushed their way into that house, which is not what you yeah. want when that's your living room slash makeshift surgery theater. Right, so it's like, I know you guys are hungry and everything, but I'm trying to do surgery here. Trying to help this kid. Yeah, so what yeah. you need is a zombie interdiction field. <laughs> Something like All right, that. I'll stop, I'll stop. No, whatever, right. keep going. 
All right, next we have an email from Marco in California. Hey guys, I just wanted to write in regarding the death of the alpha wolf. I felt the reason for his death was more about Carol rather than just a story about how the about the wolf being able to change. In the scene where Carol shoots the alpha wolf, you clearly see Carol yelling uh, in a certain direction for Denise to run. Uh, the alpha wolf's final act is to grab a walker and tackle it to assist Denise in her escape. You s- then see Carol look in a different direction as if she is now focusing on the wolf. Her look and the music led me to think that at that moment she was realizing that the wolf was uh, helping and might have actually changed. Earlier, she had told Morgan uh, that what he was doing was for himself, not the group. Maybe now she is seeing that what Morgan is doing can also help the group. Uh, he had killed the Alpha. Had he killed the Alpha in the mid-season finale, then maybe Denise doesn't make it to save Carl. Everything gets a re- gets a return. Maybe Carol is about to get hers. Your thoughts? I completely uh, agree with what Marco is saying here. It's just I feel like the the events are a little bit separate separated. Like he's. You know, we may are we trying too hard to sort of put two and two together here? You know, um, I think at the end of the day, this kind of is what's going on, where Carol is going to come around to see Morgan's side of things a little bit, in that anybody can be redeemed, and that you can't just kill indiscriminately because not everyone is one hundred percent good or bad, and things like that. But to take it the step further and say, you know, look, he changed, he survived, and that's what allowed Carl to live after getting shot completely unrelated to anything that was going on here might be a little bit of a stretch. I mean, you could yeah. you could you could relate you how far do you take that? You could relate the wolf's actions and Carol's actions and Morgan's actions to anything if you try hard enough, right? Yeah. Um but at the end of the day, I see what Marco is saying and, you know, I'm pretty sure sort of that's the point of all this that, you know, yeah, I mean, there is, there is a benefit to sort of both approaches, Carol's and Morgan's, and you can't say one is good a hundred percent or bad a hundred percent. Yeah. There's just uh, different ways of trying to deal with the crappy world that they live in. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you go too far with it, then it just starts to get ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Uh, Okay, next up, Paul in Bakersfield. I hope they revisit the idea of Morgan being right about the wolf. There was good in him. Morgan felt it. After Carol shot the wolf, she watched the wolf tackle the zombie, and she looked confused. I'd I'd like to see her deal with that. If the wolf had a chance to be redeemed, maybe it'd make her doubt her decision to kill Crazy Lizzie. And this, to me, is much more directly related. It's within one character then, right? She's influenced by Morgan, but now she sees that he maybe has a point and she relates that back to her own actions. You think she'll confide in somebody that she killed uh, Lizzie? Uh, I doubt it. Because <laughs> everybody knows about that is dead, right? Everybody that knows, uh, well, Tyrese, right? Oh, Tyrese, yeah. No, he's dead. Um, but uh, uh, he knew about it. He was the only one, right? He was the only one, yeah. And and uh, Lizzie's sister, she's dead. She's dead. Lizzie's uh, dead. Yeah. Carol's so, still alive. Carol, that's true. So, But all I'm saying is the actions that we saw or the events that took place here, they will have a deeper impact on Carol. Not because, <clears throat> not because 
uh, Morgan was right, but and it and it helped sort of save Carl or anything else. But because Morgan was right, and she can now project back and be like, "Man, I've killed a lot of people." When maybe there was another outcome. Yeah, but I I, uh, I agree with you. But I don't think we can get that storyline unless she tells somebody about Lizzie. Yeah, right? are we so going to get you, it? You can't but... just get her internal thoughts, right? Well, yeah, she but... has to talk to somebody, or she has to behave in a different way going forward. Like we have That's to, true. we have to see her handle problems differently. And by differently, I mean stop killing everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And That's true. And maybe she'll that. uh, she'll pick up a, a staff and put down her knife, and uh, you know, be like Morgan. Yeah, be she'll like be Morgan. His, he'll be uh, her Padawan. BLM. It's her new mantra. BLM. Be like Morgan. Be like Morgan. That's right. All right. Next, we have Keith in Wisconsin. In regards to the biker gang being all bunched up and uh, sitting on the highway, chalk that up to BMFOTP syndrome. <laughs> when you think you are the baddest motherfucker on the planet <laughs> and you are invincible, you get careless and sloppy. You've robbed numerous people and they've always cowered at the sight of you and your fellow badasses with these big guns. So you feel everybody will act this way and don't take the necessary precautions to prevent an ambush. They got cocky. They have got FOTP syndrome. Right. And yeah, they, uh, they just sat there like, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, you don't fuck with us. We got uh, motorcycles and uh, firearms. Exactly. That's the or problem. And it, it bit them in the ass. Were and they even wearing colors? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. You know, <laughs> if they were a real motorcycle gang and really wanted to be badass, they should have been all wearing leather jackets with their name of their gang on the on the back. Yeah, maybe. Well, they, wear their patches. I don't think so. Patch? Yeah, patch. Patches. Why not? Patch? Right. One singular? I don't know. I don't know from motorcycle gangs, other than what I've seen on Sons of Anarchy. Right. And I haven't even seen that. There you go. All right. Ken in Sacramento writes, Jason. Yes. I agree with you and oh. that the war, uh, with you that the warhead from the RPG would not have ignited the gasoline on the pond. First, like you said, an anti-tank warhead doesn't really create a spark or start fires. So if the warhead exploded, it wouldn't have ignited the gas. Second, hitting a pool of water probably isn't a solid enough surface to set off the fuse. And third, Daryl was way too close. RPG rounds don't arm until they've traveled 50 to 75 meters, and Daryl was way closer than that. So the warhead wouldn't have gone off anyway. So maybe it made a huge splash, and splash caused the water to spark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that must have been it. <laughs> Yeah, I assumed that, uh, like, when uh, they say that when you jump out of a plane and you hit water, it's like hitting concrete. Water doesn't compress very much. No. So I I guess I assumed that uh, shooting a, uh, a rocket-propelled grenade at the water uh, would act like it was hitting uh, a more solid object. But the RPG round is kind of aimed like a, a shape like a dart. Uh-huh. So it might have just went floop no. into the water. But the thing is... If you fall out of a plane and you land on water, yeah, it's like hitting concrete. You're also going straight down. If it gravity works that way. You're right. If you're shot out of a cannon and you st and you hit the water, you're going to skim along the top of it. Oh, like skipping a rock. You're like skipping a rock. And Daryl was standing on the shore. Yeah, he was on top of the truck, but he so he was what, like a few meters up at most? Ten. No. Maybe. I don't think he was ten. I think he was maybe five meters above. Yeah, but he was back a little bit. 
I'm, I'm saying ten. I'm being generous. I think that rocket would have skipped along the surface rather than gone straight into it. That could be, you know, and and <laughs> skipped along the surface, hit the land on the other side, and blown up a house with the infirmary in it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, I don't know. I I think we just have to assume that that rocket had some sort of incendiary, yeah warhead on it that was immediately armed upon firing and that when uh, slowing down in any way, shape, or form uh, immediately set off a flame-filled explosion that would ideally ignite gas fumes. Exactly. Yeah. That's, so that's, that, that's what I assume. That's, that's, that's exactly what happened. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Next we have uh, Jan on the internet. I have a comment on your discussion about Daryl's Great Lake of Fire. You should really only use a match or light lots of... Uh, two. Use a match to light lots of poured gasoline if you have a certain wish to die. Lots of gas will vaporize into the air, and if you're standing very close, you will be surrounded by flammable a flammable cloud of gas. Lighting a match or a Zippo in this situation will probably be your very last mistake. As a fireman, uh, I've seen uh, I've seen a building where two guys tried to fraud their insurance by pouring gasoline all over the pizza place and lighting it. <laughs> the result was an immediate explosion, which threw a giant fridge right through a massive brick wall and across a four-lane road. The two guys survived, but got heavily roasted. The effect might be smaller outside of the building, but we're talking about thousands of liters in Daryl's case. If you want to light great amounts of gasoline, anything that can do the job from a distance should be your first choice. And hey, an RPG does the job from a distance, but maybe not that far. Although I think what uh, this emailer is saying is that... Jan. Yeah, Jan is saying, I think, um, you know, it, it made sense to use the RPG because Daryl could stand back. Right. And there's no explo- There's no fire. Like if he's using an incendiary round that immediately arms and uh, mm-hmm. uh, ignites as soon as it starts to slow down in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if that is the case, there is no flame until it gets to the water well far away from him. So mm-hmm. that's the best choice. It's so a- throwing a Zippo gets you flame right friggin' now. Yeah, right in your hand. Right in your hand. So if you throw the Zippo, as soon as it, even if you're outside of that uh, cloud of gas, flammable gas, and you throw the Zippo, as soon as it hits that cloud of flammable gas, it ignites, Mm -hmm. which could be fairly close to you. And not good for you, yeah. No, flame, bad. Fire fire bad on fur. God, especially if you've been breathing it in a little bit, and it ignites, and then it ignites inside your lungs. Oh, that sounds horrible. I I told you about the time I was in a fireball, right? Uh, I know people that have been in fireballs other than you, too. <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't know if you have. Do you know what flash paper is? Yeah. It's a little, it's a, uh, like very combustible paper that uh, magicians use to do, f- you know, little flashes and stuff. So I got, one Halloween, I got my hands on a bunch of flash paper. And uh, I went to see, we went down to go see a band. And I was dressed as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I had my long pigtails and I had ruby slippers and I was wearing a very pretty dress. I bet you looked great. But the the dress didn't have any pockets, 
right? So what I did was I took a basket with my little stuffed Toto, a little dog Toto, and I lined the basket full of flash paper. And in these days, back in the late 90s, you could smoke in bars. So we were at the bar, and I was smoking up a storm, and I walked into my buddy Scott and knocked his heater off of his cigarette into my basket filled with flash paper. It was a huge fireball. I got second-degree burns on my fingers where I was holding onto the basket. It singed my beard because I had a big, bushy beard at that time. It singed the beard. I had second-degree burns underneath my nose. Uh, my eyebrows were all singed. My eyelashes were singed. My uh, my wig was burnt to hell. And uh, it hurt quite a bit. Why did you use flash paper? I wanted to be cool. I wanted to impress the girls. Oh, so you were using it to, like, do magic. I was to do, using it to do magic. I had shaved it into little bits so that I could, because uh, I smoked, right? And I kept my lighter and my cigarettes in the basket with Toto and all my flash paper. Oh, brilliant. And I, I would do, yeah, it's not the smartest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and it would just, you know, I'd light it off and it would go poof and everybody would be, ooh, what's that guy doing with the fire? What's Dorothy doing over there? What's Dorothy doing? And why is her dress suddenly on fire? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I caught on fire. Man. I was in a great amount of pain for the rest of the evening, but I, to this day, I hold that as one of the best nights I've ever had. It was awesome. You would. <laughs> I ended up uh, meeting two women that night, and I ended up dating them both for the rest of the year. Aren't you a cool guy? <laughs> yeah. It was it was kind of touch and go there for a while until uh, uh, they both wanted to come see me my band play at uh, one night, because I told them both about it. It's like, and they both said, yeah, we'll be there. And then uh, they were both at the bar, and that was very touch and go there for a while until I got them into the, onto the same table, and I could control the conversation at that point. Because if I had to keep bouncing from one side of the room to the other, they would have known about each other. But once I got them at the same table, I could control the conversation, and everything was fine, and they never found out about each other. Does anybody out there want us to start a podcast called Jason's Stories from the 90s? Shit Jason did in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Because... <laughs> I think we could sustain that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> From what I know about you. That was a good night. All right. Uh, that is amazing. Thank you. Next up is Poindexter on the internet. Uh, yeah. And uh, Poindexter says, regarding the rocket launcher in season six, episode nine, didn't Daryl do a stint in the military? That might explain the familiarity with the rocket launcher. As for lighting the gasoline on the lake with an RPG, quote, if you're going to be a bear... Be a grizzly bear. That's true. You know who you know who said that? I don't. Gandhi. I looked it up. Really? Yeah. And uh, I like that quote, you know? If you're going to be a bear, be the biggest, baddest mother bear there is. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. It is. Um, grizzly bears are mean. That's, that's kind of the point, yeah. Yeah, grizzly I, bears, you just, I don't even know how to you know, combat a grizzly bear. If you end up seeing a grizzly bear in the wild, that's it. You're food. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no no really other other choice. They can crush a bowling ball with their jaws. That's pretty strong. Jesus. They just, they, yeah, they have enough uh, grip strength in their jaws to crush a bowling ball. Well, if you're going to be a bear, Jason, be a grizzly. Totally. All right. All right. Next, we have uh, Jeremy on the internet. This is uh, apparently a comment from our website. Which I rarely include. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, guys, just a quote I saw elsewhere, which I loved. I can't remember where, or I'd give it credit. When you have an RPG launcher, every problem has an RPG, 
RPG shaped solution. <laughs> Another good quote that I liked. That is good. <laughs> Don't know where this came from, but uh, every problem has an RPG shaped solution. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy, for that one. Yeah. All right. That is it. Thank you so much for everyone, uh, to everyone for writing and calling in. Uh, I always love doing these feedback shows because it brings up all kinds of stuff that we didn't think of or just missed or different ideas. You know, it's really, really cool. Uh, it is Friday, so The Walking Dead is on again on Sunday night, of course. And next week, we will, in fact, be recording on Monday evening, so no delay on our recap episode. Uh, but sadly, <laughs> there will be a delay on our feedback episode again next week. We're going to do it again next Friday, most likely. No, it's got to be Thursday. Oh. Friday's my birthday. I thought we talked about Friday, so we got to do it. We did talk about it, but then I mentioned it to my wife. All right. That whose birthday's on Monday, which means we got to record late on Monday, and then we can't record on Wednesday <sighs> because I'm traveling and it's your wife's birthday. Yeah, but I could do that. I can't record on Thursday because I'm in Calgary. Oh, and it's my birthday on Friday. Okay, so we will anyway, figure, we'll this, figure out. this out. <laughs> we'll figure this out. We'll record it at some point. I mean, I could probably do it from Calgary, except that that means I got to take my microphone. I wasn't going to pack it. Anyways, we'll figure it out. Um, there will be a feedback show next week, even if it comes on Saturday. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll have to figure it out. We will figure it out. Um, uh, but happy birthday to friggin' everybody. Friggin' everybody. Um, your wife time of year. On, on Monday. Yeah. My, my wife, mother today. Your mom my today. My wife on Monday. Your wife on Wednesday. Mine on Friday. And you Friday. On, on Friday. H- how old are you turning? Uh, shit. 44. 44. Yeah. Man. We're getting old there, dude. Yeah. Happens to the best of us. It really does. Uh, okay. So after having a whole plan, it's now all up in the air again. But we will be recording Monday, right? Yes, late Monday. Late Monday, after your wife's had her birthday dinner and gone to bed. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's that's absolutely correct. Man, all right. Um, if she wants to come on the podcast and celebrate her birthday on the air, she's welcome to do that. Totally. <laughs> I think there's about a 0% chance of that happening. <laughs> a little less than that. Yeah, okay. Um, speaking of Calgary, if there's any listeners in Calgary, and I don't know, you want to get a beer or something, I might have time for that. So, uh, Where are you I, Downtown. I can't remember the name of the hotel, but I'm downtown Calgary. I'm going to try to go to the Flames game on uh, Wednesday night at the Saddle Dome. So, Saddle Dome. Uh, yeah, so that should be fun. But nobody really cares about that. So um, hello, everyone in Calgary, and we will be back next week after the next episode of The Walking Dead. So in the meantime, if you'd like to get in contact with us, I highly recommend you do so. And you can visit our website and click on send voicemail to record a message right into your internet browser, which will be sent to us. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at, uh, at talking dead on Twitter. And then of course, email works talking dead podcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, we'll sort our crap out here and uh, have some more podcasts coming your way soon. But thanks again to everyone for writing in. So until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening.